Welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about weed control in winter wheat. But even if you don't raise wheat, a lot of these same herbicides, or at least chemistries in general, modes of action, do get used in other crops as well. So a lot of these same lessons will apply to most crops. But anyway, if you've got any questions about that, or anything that's going on in your farm, you certainly give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could email us, radio at agphd.com if you would like, or you can find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so just to start things out here, when it comes to weed control and winter wheat, the number one thing that we are always going to stress is start early. Because when you are seeding in the fall, you are far more likely with a winter crop to have winter annuals. Things like mare's tail, henbit, pennycress. There are all these winter annual weeds that if you wait until spring <laughs> to try to get them under control, I'm sure you know, uh, it's not nearly as easy. So anyway, we will talk about some of these both pre-emerge and very early post-emerge products you could consider in winter wheat today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, get a soil sampling question here from Riley. And, and not he didn't send a sample. He's just curious about doing some sampling. He said, I'm looking into grid sampling on a couple of fields here uh, once all the soybeans come off. I'm really curious on exactly what I need to test for. Our farm is a wheat, soybean, corn, sunflower rotation, so four-crop rotation up in northern Minnesota. Now, currently, uh, I'm working with a couple different labs, uh, but I'm just curious, uh, which lab do you use? What package do you run? And uh, if I end up going with a different lab than what you guys do, are there some certain tests that I for sure need to have? Absolutely. So we, we send our samples to Midwest Labs in Omaha, and we use the S3CM, which is the S3C Malik. It's a complete test, and it's the Malik 3 version. So it's less expensive, but we like it for both accuracy and cost. The thing, and you can look at that, you just pull it up on their website, for example, then you can see all the things that we like to get tested. But just to run through some things that a lot of people don't get on a standard test, cation exchange capacity. We want to know truly how heavy is that soil. We want to see our, the organic matter level. What's that? And... Uh, well, we could talk all day about the importance of each of these things and why we do that. But just so you understand what we're looking for, CEC, organic matter, base saturation, you got to have. You also want to get micronutrients tested. I see a number of samples that come in and they don't have sodium on. And especially when you're up in northern Minnesota, we do have sodic soils. We have excess sodium problems. So we want to see the sodium level. We also want to see the soluble salts. So those are just some of the standard things besides the NP and K that we would like you to get to get on a soil test. That's going to help us understand that soil a lot better and make better recommendations for you. All right. Thanks for the question, Riley. And yeah, once you get those samples, if you want us to take a look at them, just send them to us, radio at agphd.com. Got this one that came in from Ed over in Indiana, and he's got a question about corn. He said, guys, are corn tillers or suckers good or bad in your opinion? Here's my observation. Every time I see it in a field this year, 
the yield's been outstanding. However, when I mention it to other growers, they think that suckers on a corn plant are a bad thing. Now, I thought it might have something to do with population, but it doesn't seem to influence it from what I've seen. It still happens in corn planted at 42,000. So what causes these suckers and are they a good thing to have out in the field? A lot of it's just genetics. Certain varieties, certain hybrids, they seem to have more tillers. We call them tillers rather than suckers, but either way, same thing. And it, it's mainly a varietal thing. The other thing that's kind of interesting, we started spraying a lot of gibberellic acid this spring because a lot of our corn was going to go for silage. So we wanted the corn to be taller. We find that adding more gibberellic acid when it's cold makes the plant taller. doesn't necessarily increase the yield, but if you're after tonnage, it's an absolute proven thing that makes money. Well, whenever we put gibberellic acid on, we found that those plants had fewer tillers. I didn't realize there was a connection between that before, but that is one of the things. So if you have more gibberellic acid going, then a lot of times you have fewer tillers. So think about this for just a second. When do you naturally have more gibberellic acid in the plant? Well, it's when the weather's warm. So for those of us that like to plant when the soil temp's 40 degrees and it's going to be cold for like two months, then I would just say we may be more prone to having tillers as opposed to somebody who's planting when it's hot. That's just my own personal theory. Uh, we feel like tillers are neutral. So sometimes they could be a benefit. I could see how somebody could say, well, it's a detriment, but we've never really found any correlation between lots of tillers or few tillers and higher yields. You know, I look at tillers, too, as having good available fertility early in the season. Look at where those tillers come out from. Uh, they, they're going to come out fairly early in the season. They'll get started. Many times we'll see ears produced out on tillers. We'll see great big tall tillers out in fields, too. So they can be a good thing where we farm in dry land production. I also like tillers because they've already pulled in a whole bunch of nutrition and now if we get dry later in the season, we'll see the plants just pull that nutrition out of those tillers and utilize it in, in producing the ear on the main stalk. So uh, I think it's been a really good thing on our farm. I like to look for those. And Brian's right. We do see some hybrids with more of a propensity to put tillers on. But, hey, uh, it, like you said, when you're seeing them still at 42,000, that tells me you got a hybrid that likes to throw tillers and you probably got good levels of fertility out there too. So good job, Ed. We're going to talk today about weed control in winter wheat. And here we are in October. It's a great time to have a weed-free field and let that wheat get off to a good start. And also to stop some of those winter annual weeds that are out in fields or even some of the, the perennial weeds that may be out there. So we'll talk about weed control in winter wheat on today's program. And also take your calls and questions at 844 844- 44 Ag PhD. We'll be right back. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Introducing our most advanced technology from Hypro, the 9915 series diaphragm pumps. Upgraded with corrosion-resistant materials and a multi-piston design to work longer and harder in any condition. Hypro, right on technology, right on target. It came on a night like any other. With power unlike anything else on Earth. 
using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking weed control in winter wheat on today's program, but we're also taking your calls and questions here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Jeff on the line with us right now down in northern Georgia. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, just fine, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I've hey, got hey, Jeff, I got to give you a, I got to give you a comment real quick, and my kids might call us a dad joke, but I'm thinking, would you rather be in northern Georgia right now or South Dakota? I'm taking northern Georgia. I'm betting your weather's a little better than ours. <laughs> oh yeah, man, it's just right. This fall weather, about seventy degrees, a nice breeze, just beautiful, beautiful. Awesome, awesome. And thankful we got some rain here last night, so that's. It's been a while since we got some, so I'm thankful we got some rain. It's been about 30 days, so wow. everything was just arched. Yeah, yeah. that, that sounds that sounds questions. like South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know it. Uh, I've got two questions. I've got about a 50-, 60-acre hayfield that I've inherited uh, from a friend, a family, and the owner, it was the prettiest fescue hayfield in our county. And the owner passed away about 10 years ago, and the family bush-togged it a couple of years, and then they just let it grow up. It's got saplings, pine saplings, maple saplings that are inch and a half, two inches, and briars, uh, huckleberry, we call them huckleberry, huckleberries uh, that cling to your pants and stuff, uh, all that in there. And my question is, uh, like I said, I had two questions. Do I just bush-hog it, spray it? try to kill everything or i just need to turn it under and start all over again and the second question is it lays in a bottom next to a creek and i am wanting to experiment i want to get your opinion on maybe uh could i plant bermuda and alfalfa together just for the nitrogen out of the alfalfa and just see if it would do and i'll listen to what y'all say thank you so much guys you bet. Thanks, Jeff. All right. So first of all, spray or till, that's a question a lot of people run into when they're taking out a long-term hay field, CRP, whatever. Um, let's talk about both sides real quick because I we have people that 
do okay. either way. So with the spraying, the advantage is you're leaving a lot of the organic matter intact, and that's kind of nice. Whereas if till it, you for sure have the weeds killed, and you smooth things out. And that's the big reason why a lot of people like to till in a long-term hay, hay field because sometimes, well, like for us and a lot of people, they have rodents or whatever. and Or, I mean, it's just, it's rough sometimes. So you right. smooth it out. Right. You get that one chance to smooth it out. So if it's me, what would I do, especially when you start talking about all these different species and maybe saplings and stuff like that, I might consider spraying it. and So bush hog it, spray it and till it. I, I would at least be okay. considering that because we want to make sure that stuff is dead. So that's where the spraying is pretty nice uh, because otherwise you might have to till it multiple times. So I might All consider right. doing both if it's me. Um, right. As to your question about this, hey, this is river bottom type stuff. Could I put Bermuda and alfalfa in? The challenge with that is there's no good way to kill the weeds out of that. So if I, if I just have Bermuda grass, I got plenty of options to go kill broadleaves. If it's alfalfa, I don't have a lot of choices, but I at least have some. And so we very often will tell people, you can do exactly what you're talking about. And there are a lot of people that do, and they like that. And that's fine if you choose to do it. I'm just telling you the limitations. So if you were after, let's say your goal was all I care about is I just want to raise the most tons of feed possible, then I would say raise Bermuda on part of it, raise alfalfa on part of it, and treat each one as its own separate individual crop, and I'll bet you you'll raise more tons. But for ease, it's really nice having the two things together. So I I totally understand where you're coming from, and there are a lot of people that are like, look, I I don't need to maximize tons. I just want to do okay. I want something that's simple and easy. And so, yeah, for both of your questions, there is no right or wrong. It's kind of what your preference is, what, uh, uh, well, just what you're going to do with everything there, yeah. Or do you have suggestions on what to spray that it won't hurt that when I try to seed it the next spring? Okay. So if, let's say, because I, yeah, because I don't, since I haven't seen your field and I don't know what the ratio of one thing to another is, let's put it this way. Right. I, I'll, I'll give you the things that don't last a real long time in the soil. So if I had a lot of brush species, then I'm going to use triclopyr of some type. So that's like Remedy Ultra, okay. Vastland, something like that, that has very little soil residual, almost no soil residual, and it'll take down like those little saplings you're talking about and do an excellent job. If I have grass, okay. I'm going to I'm going to go hit it with a strong rate of Roundup. So to kill that fescue off that's left, I'm going to go strong rate of Roundup. Can you mix those two things? Absolutely you can. In addition to that, if let's say you had a bunch of broadleaves that are Roundup resistant and they won't get controlled by triclopyr, then I might throw in a 2,4-D or something. So, but it's right, probably, yep, yep it's, it's probably, mostly, a, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, out in the center of, around from the edges from the forest yep. uh it's mostly what we call johnson grass you know what i'm talking about oh i know what and you're talking about it's yeah and and you know uh, nobody likes that where i'm from so uh but it's just uh it's just come up there's a little fescue in there but it's mostly just this big johnson grass everywhere 
And uh, so that's that's what it mostly is. Okay. Uh, so to be honest with you. Yep. So we're gonna hope that it's not Roundup resistant Johnson grass. There is some of that out there. Yeah, but... I know it. <laughs> but if the roundup will still kill it that's that i mean that's what i'm gonna try because that's that is okay. the most effective thing typically if it's if okay. you can't kill it with that um i don't know of anything we've got that's for sure going to be 100 percent. there are some other grass killers out there that are okay but the problem with johnson grass is it's a tough perennial weed and we just um we don't have a lot of things that will go down into that root system other than roundup so let's hope and pray that it is not yeah. Roundup resistant, and then you got it. And what I'm going to do, too, I'm going to get some soil samples, and I'm going to send them to y'all and maybe let y'all tell me what it may sure. or may not need Great. Uh, before the spring. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do both. I think I'm going to spray and till and uh, uh, just get, uh, turn it under and, uh, you know, do it like that. But thanks for taking my call, and I love your show, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, thanks, one Jeff. last thing I want to leave you with. After you spray it, let it yeah. sit for at least a few days. Don't go spray it, and then the All very right. next day, go till it. Let it just sit for a few days. Got let you. the herbicide go down into the root systems. Yeah. Yep. Okay? Got you. Got you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your help. You bet. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, that that's always interesting when you uh, you pick up ground like that that's been out of production for a little bit. There's going to be some unusual things growing out there, and it it takes some unusual measures to to really get those under control. We hear this a lot in CRP ground, and uh, the one thing about CRP though is often we're asking what has been sprayed out there where there's ground that you don't think anything's been sprayed out there, or it's pretty clear nothing's been sprayed out there. That does open up your window of things that you can do just a little bit and and decrease some of the worry of things you have to worry about. The other thing I was thinking, Jeff had said that's lowland and. Um, so that that's just another factor to kind of keep in mind. What's the what's the terrain like out there? And uh, I was encouraged though. He said it used to be like just a gorgeous fescue hayfield, and so I know it's going to have good production once he once he gets her going. So just going to be a, a year of of transition before he gets back into really good crop. All right, uh, back to our topic of the day: weed control in winter wheat. We're going to be talking about that as. Uh, in in many areas, guys have already got the winter wheat in the ground, and that's going to change what your options are once you have wheat that comes up versus beforehand. If if you've got no wheat up, you still have things like Roundup that are on the table, which if you've got some cheat grass popping up or or some other tough weeds, uh, that's that's a nice option. But then, of course... We've got frost in a lot of the north, so we'll talk about how that changes things in terms of winter wheat weed control. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. If you have an agronomic question, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. 
When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Builds ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking about weed control and winter wheat. And next on the show, we got our friend Lee Lubers with us. He is from South Central South Dakota and a member of the Extreme Ag Group. Hey, Lee, how you doing today? I'm doing good. All right, I assume you've seeded a bunch of winter wheat already this fall, right? Oh, yeah, we are planting hard as we speak. Yep, I figured. So what do you do for weed control in the fall? Are you starting with the pre? Are you using anything early post? What, what What's your general program? Uh, most of ours is being uh, no-tilled into soybean stubble, so yep. it's starting out clean. Sure. If we had any uh, cheat grass around field borders, we would just touch that up with Roundup, and usually that does a phenomenal job yeah. and takes care of it. So what are the biggest weed issues that you typically have in winter wheat? Uh, kochia and Canadian thistle are a perpetual challenge, uh, but we seem to be handling them fine with some of the newer herbicides. Yeah, so when you start talking kochia and Canada thistle, 
well, especially the kochia. I mean, that's a summer annual weed. So with that, I, I assume then you're just waiting until spring, until the kochia actually shows up, and then you're hitting it at that point? Yeah, yeah, that's what we've been doing. So is it wide match typically that, that you've been running with to get both the kochia and the Canada thistle, or, or what specifically have you been using? Uh, we kind of switched over to their new formulation, the YDAR. Yeah. And yep. uh, been very impressed with that product. Yeah, we like that uh, that wide R match that that Lee is talking about there. That's the old wide match, which was Starring and Stinger, which was great on Kosh and Thistle. But the problem is everybody would always want to spike something in like 2,4-D. Well, this wide R match has got uh, another product. It's called Elevore that you could buy straight, but it's kind of a 2,4-D replacement product. It's in the same chemical family as 2,4-D, yet it's a lot safer on the wheat. So, yeah, I agree with you, Lee. We've had a lot of people switch from the wide match over the wide R match. Makes a lot of sense. So you, you mentioned kochia and Canada thistle, two tough broadleaves. Do you ever have any problem with grass in your winter wheat? Uh, we haven't been. Uh, we have battled wild oats on some new ground, and uh, we had to get creative there <laughs> to handle that. But that has not been a problem here for the last several years. Luckily. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when you follow soybeans, to your point before, you're starting clean in soybeans. It's pretty easy to kill grasses. So generally speaking, that's what makes a pretty nice rotation there. And I, I guess when you are following beans, is there anything like a normal farmer might use in soybeans that you say, boy, I, I better not use this because I'm going to go to winter wheat? Or do you not have any of those challenges? Uh, we're using uh, a three-way uh system uh, on three modes of action on our soybean pre and we're having no antagonism issues and falling with wheat just fine. Yep. So no carryover problems. That's good to hear because in, in your area, sometimes you guys are quite dry. So, so that was the reason why I asked the question. How about any of your, your herbicides you spray in winter wheat? Have you had any issues going to another crop then? Uh, with the newer ones, we're just watching our rotations, and we've been fine so far. We're very dry this year, and again, and uh, I, I guess I'm not worried. Uh, we haven't had issues with that. Yeah. Um, all right, last question I got for you, Lee, and this is slightly off topic, but how did your winter wheat turn out this year? You said you were dry, but was the crop still okay for you? I did exceptionally well. Uh, management pays wet or dry, and uh, we we cut a very good wheat crop. Uh, right now, we're seeding into uh, subpar would be a nice way to put it for conditions. Uh, yeah. And uh, but it's not going to grow in the seed bin, so we're going out and we're putting on our treatments, uh, putting on the fertility. We're planning for a crop, so we're not going to cut any corners. Well, hopefully you get some rain out there and this next crop turns out as good as the last one. Again, we've been talking with Lee Lubers. He farms over in South Central South Dakota and he's part of the Extreme Ag Group. Lee, thanks for being on the show today. Appreciate it. Hey, anytime. All right, let's go next down to uh, Kansas. I'm not sure, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Stewart, are you in Kansas or are you in Oklahoma today? Hey, I'm in Oklahoma. I cover Kansas and Oklahoma in that northern Texas panhandle from a service standpoint so I, I do live and reside and born in uh, Oklahoma okay so anyway Bruce is with FMC uh, Bruce tell us just a little bit about winter wheat 
weed control down in your area? Because raising winter wheat down there, a little bit different than up here in the Dakotas. Yeah, you're right. You know, we're going through the driest summer we've had in 100 years. So, really? Uh, that even goes back to the Dust Bowl and the 50 drought and all of that. So, yeah, it's been very dry, and, you know, you need to have some moisture to get the weed up and also to get the uh, herbicides uh, activated as well if you don't put down any residuals. But, uh, you know, just a little bit about the weed pressure. I mean, most of the growers here in Oklahoma and Kansas are dealing with maristail and chickweed, henbit, um, oh, uh, mustards are most definitely important. And then kind of in the Oklahoma and that eastern Kansas area, Italian ryegrass is really trying to create some havoc for us. Yeah, so you got a bunch of stuff that you're dealing with there. Has the weed spectrum changed at all since you guys have been dry for a little while? I know like here, even on our own farm, we've been in drought for two and a half years now, not as bad as you because we're much cooler. But it, it we had more, I saw more kochia around our area than I had in years and years. And I think it's in part because we've been so dry these last couple of years. Any Anything changed really in what you've seen in the last couple of years in your area? Oh, I, I still think weed pressure is uh, pretty intense when we do get a rain. You, you just really get a big flush of, uh, of weeds. Uh, but I don't know about species composition other than Italian ryegrass is something that we didn't deal with, say, you know, five, ten years ago. It's really come on uh, strong lately, but uh, I'm not sure if I can say that it's changed much yeah okay so talk to us just a little bit with anthem flex i assume that's probably the main product that uh i mean for from the fmc standpoint that guys are using in that late pre early post timing there on some of the winter wheat having that group 15 out there is pretty nice especially when you start talking about italian ryegrass and it's just a different mode of action than a lot of people have been using with the group ones and group twos Right, yeah, so uh, Anthem Flex is uh, a great product to, to put out, and you usually want to put it out what we call a uh, delayed pre-application, and we kind of want to have that wheat seed, about 80% of it, been having a shoot about a half inch long, so I hope that's not too complicated, but, you know, you don't want to put it on too early or too late after the uh, the uh, Italian ryegrass germinates, but kind of uh, getting it at that delayed pre-timing is where we see the best uh, control of Italian ryegrass. You know, we need to have a, a rainfall to get it activated, and usually about a half an inch is, is what we need, and which we'd love to have that right now. Um, and usually we like to see that within two to three days after application. And, you know, you're probably safe for three or so weeks before you get a rain if you made an application of Anthem Flex. Uh, but, you know, you can have degradation of that active ingredient due to sunlight and uh, microbes and things like that. But, you know, it, it does a great uh, job if, if you get an activating rainfall. It's usually where it's put on, and then it may go for weeks without a rain, and uh, that's where control may, may slip. So, Bruce, I got, less than a, I got less than a minute left. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about when it comes to weed control and winter wheat today? Well, you know, you've got a couple of options with finesse and affinity broad spec. A finesse has a long residual and uh, it's going to get most of your broadleaf weeds. Most of the grass control with finesse is not there anymore. A lot of the uh, grassy 
weeds have become resistant to ALS chemistry. And then Affinity Broadspect is good for those guys that are wanting to uh, have a short residual and be able to come back and, and plant back to most anything. Whereas uh, Finesse, you're going to have to use STS soybeans, uh, grain sorghum. You may be having to wait, you know, 10 months prior, uh, before you can come back in. Right. So, But Affinity Broadspect, great for uh, knocking down the weeds, coming back in, giving you flexibility to plant, whereas Finesse... Uh, really good control, long residual, but going yeah. to cause you some uh, challenges planting All right. back. All right. So. Again, we've been talking with Bruce Stewart with FMC. Bruce, thanks for the time today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, thank you. All right. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts you gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. It can seem like fallen hydrus is the cheapest and easiest way to supply nitrogen, but the cost of lost fall applied nitrogen can easily be $15 an acre. Shift that in application to the planter so that you know your nitrogen is at the right place at the right time to feed that growing crop. Then come back at V10 or 12 and apply just what the crop needs to finish strong. It never pays to save pennies and lose dollars of yield potential. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. 
We're talking weed control and winter wheat today. And next on the show, we got Curtis Rainbolt with us. He is with BASF. Hey, Curtis, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. All right. So when it comes to weed control and winter wheat, what are the top products that you end up talking to farmers about? Well, it, a little, it really varies a little bit. I'm, I'm located in the Pacific Northwest, and you know it varies based on the production system. We range from you know dry land to irrigated, but certainly our focus, um, I think, has been the dry land, and and, and the is a big product for there for us there, and as well as sharpen. Yeah, we talk about sharpen a lot here on the show. Personally, I think it's way undersold because a lot of people complain to us all the time about all these broad leaves they have in the crop. And I go, well, why don't you just use a pre? They're like, what? What am I getting to do for a pre? Sharpen. A couple ounces of sharpen is kind of our standard recommendation. Is that usually what you're talking to people about out there, two ounces? Yeah, that's exactly what we do. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because, you know, when we talk about the grass, really grass weeds are our primary challenge. And we've, you know, had enough issues there that we have largely gone to using a residual herbicide um, pre-emergence herbicide for those, but you know, it's it's less less people are doing that for broadleaf weeds, but Sharpen absolutely provides some value there. Yeah. So when we talk about grass, Zidua is a nice product. It's Group 15. It's not the ALS or ACCAs that a lot of people have used in the past, but it has some broadleaf activity too. Certainly more than than some of these ALS products have, just because we have so many ALS resistant weeds. So talk to us just a little about Zidua and how guys are using that out there. So we might be a little bit different than some of the production areas because we have a, a section on the Zidua label that allows for a true pre section here in in the Pacific Northwest as well as in Montana. Um, so a lot of that's based on research we did to make sure you know crop safety is fine with our climate and soil type and you know weather patterns so we can go as a true pre which certainly helps you get out there just being a little bit early here but the same things would apply with the delayed pre-application but i think when we first started using zidua in our wheat we really were focused on the italian ryegrass and the downy brome and over time we've seen that it absolutely gives us some beneficial broadleaf wheat control as a residual or you know when we put it down early um, and we get that fall rain winter winter moisture get it activated you know we've seen really good activity on, on quite a few mustards as, uh, as well as mayweed chamomile which is a really challenging weed for us um, you know uh, philonec tarweed a few other kind of oddball weeds we've seen some really good activity on as well so in terms of those ALS and ACCAs products, do you see more people going to Zidua now just because of either resistance issues or they just don't want to keep using the same chemistry over and over? Unfortunately, we've kind of been forced that way because of resistance issues. Um, we're really kind of in a little bit of a corner with Italian ryegrass yep. and resistance. And, and I think just because of that and more awareness around downy brome, um, you know, we kind of use it as a setup herbicide for, for downy brome. It doesn't absolutely control all of it, but it makes the situation much more manageable. And I say over the last five years, it's, it's gone from being something that a few people are doing to, to more of a common practice. So anything else that you wanted to bring up today, Curtis, as long as we have you on the phone, just talking about just general weed control in winter wheat, any other tips you got? Well, one thing that's certainly top of mind for us in our area right now is we do have a lot of clear field winter wheat in my production area. Uh, and so beyond the group two herbicide, you know, we often, most of our applications do go out in the spring. 
Uh, but the spots where we're making winter applications and need to think about it is, is control of cereal or feral rye. And we've had great growing conditions right now. We've had some decent moisture. The crop's coming out of the ground fast, but that also means that cereal rye is too. So, you know, I advise guys just to watch that. If you've got cereal rye, I think we're going to have two-leaf wheat, which is the size that we need in order to be able to spray that beyond. And certainly, you know, if that feral rye has emerged in the fall, we can really knock it back by getting getting a split application part of it out this fall. Anything else that is really important for beyond? In other words, are there any other weeds where guys say, oh, I don't have a lot of choices here. I better plant some clear field wheat and use beyond. For us, one of the, you know, the big challenges is, is joining goat grass. Um, yeah. It's kind of something that was a really big issue, I would say, um, 15, 20 years ago when Clearfield kind of first came out, and then it kind of faded into the background. But I see more of it the last few years, and uh, Beyond is absolutely exceptional on that, which it can be difficult to control with some of our other, other group, too. So that's, that's one that uh, certainly I recommend that as well as the, you know, the cereal rye. Yeah, you got a lot of good products there uh, between the Zidua, the Sharpen, and and the Beyond. So a lot of different options. Well, we've been talking with Curtis Rainbolt. He's with BSF out in the Pacific Northwest. Curtis, thanks for the time today. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. You bet. Bye. All right, so just to kind of wrap up our talk when it comes to weed control in winter wheat, a few things kind of stood out to me as we were talking with our guests today. And I'll just say, when we've raised winter wheat in the past, too, I just feel like we want to make sure that we're starting clean. If you don't start clean, then you end up with a lot of problems. And when we're when it's wheat on wheat on wheat, because there, too, we've done some of that on our farm, it's a lot more difficult. So if you're in that situation where you are raising continuous wheat, then that's where we see more of the pre-emerge herbicides getting used, more of the early posts in, in the fall getting done. I thought it was interesting when we were talking to Lee Lubers right away in the show, he just said, you know, coming out of soybeans, I don't have much for weeds. We've, we've done everything we can to kill the weeds. And soybeans are a broadleaf crop. Wheat is a grass crop. So it's easy to get those grass weeds under control in soybeans, and you don't have to worry about them quite so much going to the winter wheat. But anyway, I, I, there there were some products that we didn't mention yet today, and I, I would just say we get a lot of questions about Olympus, about Outrider, and then also about PowerFlex. So if I go back, oh boy, when I was a young agronomist, probably 30 years ago, and I'm talking to guys about winter wheat, and they go, I got a major grass problem. I got downy brome. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't have any real great answer. Well, then Maverick comes out, which is now called Outrider, and it had a lot of carryover. So that was our, our big concern. It's fine if you're in wheat country, and it's certainly fine depending on your rotation, but where we were trying to rotate to corn and soybeans didn't fit super well for us. Even Olympus has a little more residual, so you have to be a little careful with that. But then PowerFlex came out, and so now a lot of our people that have, let's say they want to rotate to some of these other crops like corn and soybeans sooner, they 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 have at least a little bit more more flexibility. And you'll also see with some of these different active ingredients, they get combined, and so they get put into different premixes. So very often you'll hear about 
products, new products that come out, like OpenSky, for example, and you go, oh, wait a second. It really isn't truly a new product. It's just kind of combinations of some of the stuff that we've had before. Or GoldSky is one that's been pretty popular, where a lot of people will use that in spring wheat in the spring. Well, it's got that same active ingredient uh, of PowerFlex. It's just it has a little bit more crop safener, so it's easier on the spring wheat. So anyway, the problem with any of these herbicides, and then I guess I'd also throw Prepare in there that we really like to use pre-emerge, they're all ALS products. So that's where we talk to both FMC and their Anthem Flex. That's got the same active ingredient in it as the Zidua that BSF sells. So both companies have that group 15, and it's been really a blessing to be able to get some group 15 out there because otherwise we were looking at these ALS herbicides for either pre or early post and then in the spring a lot of people were using the ACCA's products to clean up wild oats and just some of the foxtail species some of the, the weeds that come in the spring so some real challenges there when you only have ALS and ACCA's now we've got group 15 as well with that Zidua active ingredient uh, when it comes to broadleaf weeds, we don't have all that much problem when when it comes to winter wheat fields, but we did mention Sharpen Pre-Emerge. It's fantastic. You're going to get one to two months worth of residual. It's going to clean up a lot of things like kochia, water hemp, uh, even a, uh, almost all these winter annual weeds. It's great. Otherwise, we have plenty of other choices out there to kill broadleaf weeds. Personally, I like Wide R Match or Husky FX. Uh, they're both really good, fairly inexpensive, but again, got lots of options there. All right, we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag or back to the Ag PhD mailbag right after this here on Ag PhD Radio. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago Cornheads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears. Self-adjusting deck plates save kernels. Longer knife rollers reduce trash. And aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other Cornhead works like a Drago or pays you back like one. 
See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow directions. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. My brother Darren had to step out, but I'm going to jump back into the Ag PhD mailbag. I got a few questions here. Uh, this one actually isn't a question, but more a comment. This one comes in from Brad from South Dakota, and he was just saying, uh, guys, I didn't know if you were aware, but there is now a dicamba comment period. So good or bad for anybody listening, I, I would just tell you there is this, they call it dicamba draft risk assessment comment period. So the EPA is looking for comments. And so I assume if you just go to the EPA's website, they would have something on there. You'd be able to find that. The deadline, though, is October 17th. So that's coming up in, what is that, four days from now. So anyway, yeah, dicamba has been a tremendous tool for weed control. Uh, there certainly have been some issues and some concerns there. So anyway, for any of our listeners, if you got any comments on the dicamba thing, you can send those in to the EPA's website. Again, just uh, I just search online. All right. Uh, let's see. This next one here is from Tanner out in New York. And he says, guys, I work for a tile company. And you guys were talking about pipe that would work in, in kind of muck soils. We actually have a muck pipe so if you wanted to mention that to your listeners we just i just wanted to let you know so tanner thanks for that um yeah i don't know exactly what that would be in terms of a muck pipe i will say this we use a couple of things when we get into fine sand or silt where it's either a sock around the tile or we have narrow slot tile now, in the muck soils, the problem is usually there's tremendously high cation exchange capacity. It's heavy clay soil, plus there's lots of organic matter there. So what that usually means, I, we don't typically have a problem with the pipes plugging or anything, at least in our region in the muck that we're talking about. But we do have an issue with you have to put a whole bunch of tile out there because the water doesn't move far. So... The higher the cation exchange capacity, the closer together those tile lines need to be. On our own farm, we've got some tile lines as close as about 15 feet apart. Now, that's not normal. That's not common. But I am saying in just some of these spots where we have crazy heavy soils and really poor drainage, that's what we're doing. All right. Got Darren back in the studio. Uh, Darren, why don't you hit those other questions over there? 
got this one in from Clarence. And Clarence said, we were talking about uh, seeding alfalfa. And Clarence said, how much seed could somebody with a small garden create? Uh, I want to use it for microgreens. Uh, I, I take it all plants only put on seed once a year. So I'd get one seed crop. Well, not necessarily. And, you know, the other thing is you could stagger seeding. I mean, some crops will seed quickly, so you could seed it again. I mean, if you look at certain countries, well, even here in the United States, I I mean, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit jealous of the guys in the South that can raise two crops per year. And if you were way South, you might even be able to raise three crops a year. I I, I mean, and that's like full season kind of crops. So, Anyway, in a in a garden, there, like I say, are definitely some crops that could go to seed very quickly, and then you could either reseed those, or maybe they're perennials or something like that. So no, it's it's not like oh, I can only produce seed one time per year on my ground. You could do it fairly often. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one in from Jerry, and he sent some pictures that <laughs> they don't look very good. Jerry, uh, he said, "Okay, guys." When I saw this ear of caramel popcorn, what would make the bottom ear look like this? It looked like it was in a greenhouse or something. Didn't you see that on the one picture? Because here's what I think of in in a greenhouse type condition. We have unbelievably high humidity. The heat is usually high as well, and you are far more prone to disease. You're going to get some of those diseases, and it could be something weird, too, in a greenhouse. I don't know. I, I haven't seen exactly you know, what he's looking at there, but I just thought maybe it's disease yeah, hitting the lower, it lower was, ear. It, yeah, if we're right, and it is a greenhouse situation, it's quite unusual with corn to, to be that similar temperature all the time. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is corn needs a cooler nighttime temperature when it's pollinating. That's very helpful. Uh, but also, like you mentioned, Brian, when when you've got hot and humid all the time, uh, it looks like some of these kernels are are molding Moldy. up some sort of yep. mycotoxin got in there. So yep. Yep. yeah, there's something something weird going on there. It, it's not a not a good thing. Yeah, we don't know exactly what it is, but it certainly looks like some kind of disease to us. So our suggestion would be bring it to a plant pathologist somewhere, an extension agent, something like that, and maybe they can identify that for you. But that's not something we commonly see. Okay. Uh, get a question that comes in from Alphonse who says, guys, uh, devil's beggar tick. Uh, it's a native wildflower, fine in the woods, but certainly not in my raspberries planted by my backyard fence. I'm just wondering, what can I spray out there? I've got blackberries, raspberries, and asparagus in this area. Uh, just looking for some products that, that might be safe on those crops, but also could take out the devil's beggar. Too. I got nothing. I don't know of any selective herbicide you can use. So in other words, something that would not kill the raspberries yet kill the devil's beggar tick. Fortunately, this isn't like a whole field situation. It's a smaller area because... Other yeah, than of, hand people, weeding, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people will spot spray Roundup. Now, of course, anything that Roundup comes in contact with, uh, likely that that's going to kill it. Yep. Um, other yep. Save for any so, Roundup-resistant crops or weeds. Right. So to but think you're going to do that in between raspberries but, and stuff? Well, ah, the other thing tough. that people will do is utilize wood chips. They'll utilize mulch. mulch yep. They'll utilize uh, even black tarp paper right uh, or white yeah now here's the other thing you might think about alphonse uh so brian and i we were out in uh an apple orchard in california 
and they had white tarp laid down in between the trees and in between the rows of trees. And we said, what's going on with the white tarp? And they said, oh, what's interesting is it reflects sunlight. And so they were reflecting sunlight up to the underside of the apples that normally the sun wouldn't see and the back side of the apples. And they were getting them to be red all the way around. So they were getting that sugar uh, developed all the way around that apple. So it might be something you think about with your berries uh, that, hey, what? maybe uh, a white tarp down around them or underneath them could choke out the weeds and out them come up and also maybe reflect some sunlight up on the underside. Just depends now, on where you're at. Now, Darren mentioned wood chips. We were talking about wood chips, I don't know, day, maybe a couple days yesterday, ago. Yesterday, I think. Even, okay, yeah, it? yeah, yesterday on the show. Our concern with something like that or quite frankly, almost any mulch that you're going to use is going to be the nitrogen tie-up in that soil. So there's something we talk about from time to time here on the show called the carbon to nitrogen ratio. When it's high carbon residue, so think of wood chips, they're really high. Even let's say it's corn stalks or wheat stubble, that's fairly high in terms of carbon to the amount of nitrogen that's there. Well, the way that all this residue breaks down is bacteria will break it down. Well, in the short term, if they don't have enough nitrogen, what they do is they're going to rob it. So they're going to rob it from your soil. And all of a sudden, when you think, oh, I've put down an adequate amount of nitrogen for this crop and we should be in good shape, you go, whoa, why Why is all of a sudden my crop all turning yellow? This is bad news. I do not have, it looks like I'm short on nitrogen. I shouldn't be short on nitrogen. Well, the reason why you are is at least temporarily, the bacteria are going to use that nitrogen for food while they're breaking down that high carbon residue. And like I was saying, wood chips are some of the highest carbon residue that we've got. So uh, let me give you one other example of that. Even on our own farm here about 10 years ago, we did some work with South Dakota State University where we were doing what they call a bioreactor. On the end of our tile line, we, we dug a hole and put in a whole bunch of wood chips there. And then they tested the water going in and they tested the water going out. Now, fortunately, the water going in never was higher than what the drinking water standard is for nitrate nitrogen. So there's a little bit of nitrate in it coming out of our field. And we're putting on a fair amount of nitrogen in the field, but it's just we're raising tremendous crop. We have fairly heavy soil. We were spoon feeding. We were trying to do all the right management steps, and it appeared that we did. But nevertheless, there was still a little bit of nitrogen in the water, which there always seems to be. Well, the, this water went through those wood chips, and the wood chips sucked all the nitrogen out. So literally at the end, there was no nitrogen ever coming out that end. I mean, it's kind of expensive to do this and put wood chips in for a bioreactor and, and they only last so long. But the point here is anytime you have a high carbon residue, it's going to steal nitrogen. So be careful about the use of that and maybe put more nitrogen on whenever you want to use a mulch or especially something like wood chips out in your in your garden. Thanks for the question, Alphonse. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to get, be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.